Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome back to the Run Dot Down post game show here on the Strickland YouTube channel, as well as if you are listening today after the Strickland Podcast Network. Knicks win a absolutely thrilling beginning to Rivals Week in the NBA. 120-117 over the Boston Celtics, best record in the league in overtime. Um, I mean, where do I even start with this game? I mean, start obviously with the first quarter. I mean, first quarter, Knicks looked like they were absolutely going to get ran out the building. Um, and I was ready to, like, throw on Lost and, you know, just enjoy the rest of my night. But the Knicks, they made this a game. No, no, no thanks to um, Julius Randle, who came out, you know, with 14, 14 points in the first quarter. Um, he really set the tone offensively. Um, and, yeah, he just did his thing. He was dominating, especially in the paint, um, dunking on guys and stuff, hitting his threes. So, you know, he was doing his thing. And then what further helped the Knicks was a revival of the bench unit. Shades of last year's um bench um iq coming in 15 points off the bench in the first half um obi giving you some great minutes um yeah i mean um hartenstein even provided some good minutes today i mean it was just a lot of what you want to see what you what you envision this team can be at its peak um or at its or at, at or at some of these players peaks um you know as this game was going on um, but yeah, I mean, quickly had a good game. Obi had a good game. Deuce gave you some great energy on defense. He couldn't hit a shot, but I mean, he was able to, you know, get some deflections, cause some um, disturbances on defense. He had a nice aggressive take, I believe, um, late in the third or um, early in the fourth quarter, I believe it was, to draw some free throws. So that was encouraging to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, really a great game. Um, the Knicks, they did end up blowing a lead in the fourth quarter, as is, you know, tradition here at at, at in with this Knicks team. Um, but they were able to, you know, hold their poise, which I'm which I'm like proud of them for being able to do. You know, they didn't let that rattle them because, I mean, they've experienced it so many times this year already. So they should be used to, you know, what happens after they blow a lead. But, you know, they were able to. Win in overtime, thanks to Jalen Brown, um, absolutely wetting himself at the free throw line. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, Tyrese. Yeah, I can't your... believe we live. I can't believe we live in a world where R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle hit big free throws, and Jalen Brown just sold to. He play for us. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, when I saw Randall going to the free throw line late in overtime, I was like, man, he's yeah. about to, like, miss at least one. one of them. But the fact that he cashed, too, I was like, all right, okay. And, and then, then RJ, you know, RJ, RJ, hit, RJ hit the big three, and then he hits the free throws. You know, again, goes back to those clutch time stats I brought up at the beginning of this year. Um, I told y'all, you know, if there's anyone I want taking a shot late in the game, it's RJ, even if he has, he, even if he has it having a, a shitty night which he did end up having um, until the fourth quarter, I would say, um, and overtime. Um, but, yeah, I mean, how did you guys feel about this game? I'm on a high, and I can't come down yet. Um, this may last more than four hours. Uh, 
oh, this best win of the season after the last game was the best win of the season. Um, what can, more can you say about the resilience of this team? The team has two all-stars. I don't want to hear anything else about Tyrese Halliburton, James Harden. I don't give a fuck. Like, Jalen Brunson is an all-star caliber player, and Julius Randle is flirting with All-NBA. So there's your takeaway. Um, I'm building a franchise over Julius Randle. I'm building a franchise over Julius Randle over Jason Tatum. Y'all can retweet that tweet if you want to. I will retweet it myself. Oh, God. I always have the last laugh. I never lose. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, like, just great game overall. Great game for the vibes. This team somehow continues to win in spite of Mitchell Robinson's injury. Uh, What more can you say, man? What more can you say? They are a half game back of the sixth seed. It feels like this team is prepping themselves for a run which is weird given the schedule. And I think a lot of us thought the schedule was like going to be the death knell in this team, if not the death knell of like the place that like really pushes them into the play-in. Like, um, but they've won the two hardest games of their schedule so far. They have the Nets who are reeling with no, Kate, no, with no Kevin Durant. The Nets just lost to the Pistons. Uh, I don't know, man. We might go shrieking soon. We might go shrieking. I just want to say about Sam brought up about the end of the game. Um, I think if you want to look positively at it is it's that you can say that it's such a tangible thing. That is just such a clear issue. Like there's no gray area here. The Knicks are awful in the last six minutes of the fourth quarter with a lead every single time. And so at a certain point, a coaching staff, a franchise, they're going to look to look at that and they're going to fix it. And what's weird about tonight specifically is with like 645 left, I think the Knicks actually ran a set. They ran a set to get RJ Barrett, the ball on the wing and then ran off ball action. The, the, the play was for Jalen Brunson, like always down the stretch, but instead of having Jalen do everything, they ran almost like a fake pistol action and then ran Jalen off an off ball screen to get to get him a step on his defender. And he ended up getting a wide open mid range jumper that he nailed to put the Knicks up 12. And I remember looking to my dad and being like, are we going to actually start running plays down the stretch? And then of course we didn't like, of course, (laughs) because it's the Knicks and it's, it's Tibbs, but um, I found that play really encouraging. And I do think the fact that, the issues are so glaring and so consistent. It means there should be hope that like, okay, like they're going to start working on this and hopefully th- some things change. Cause it can't just, it's just crazy watching these situations and comparing it to the other team. Like all five Celtics scored in overtime, you know? And like, until RJ hit that three, I'm not even sure another Nick besides Randall or Brunson touched the ball really. Like I know Grimes had a three, an open three and, Yada, yada. But like, it's just so different. It's like watching two different sports almost. Um, but enough negativity. As Tyree said, this is the high point of the season, probably for the Knicks. Um, unbelievable performance. Unbelievable bounce back after, like Sam said, an awfully slow start. That was just, I mean, it was 25 to 10 and I was ready to just mail it. You know, I was just yeah. like, oh, this is going to be a laugher. Um, like the fact that it was 25 10 with, I don't know, halfway through the first quarter or something like that. 
and the Knicks only end up giving a hundred, uh, giving up 110 points in regulation is actually remarkable. Um, and it really shows, you know, we give Tibbs a lot of, a lot of crap on here, but it was his adjustment and him, you know, getting the team to really focus in on the, on, on switching these screens and just staying more with it. And they were up and in the Celtics offensive players the rest of the way. And I, I mean, that's a really good Celtics team. And they made their lives about as difficult as any team can make the Celtics lives. So, you know, kudos to Tibbs and kudos to the guys for working hard, especially the guys off the bench. Yeah. I mean, the defensive switch definitely like helped a ton. Um, it was like shades of like, it was shades of like 2021 defense the way they were defending yep um and you know it 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 makes it all that much more frustrating because you know it's there because we see it now and then when it's not there it's really like it's frustrating because it's like okay we've seen you do it before why can't you give this effort consistently why can't this happen more frequently um and that's what makes those those other losses because i mean almost every loss that we've had has been a close loss. So you're like, um, you're, you're thinking to yourself in those moments, you're like, man, all the wins that we could possibly have right now, if we just play like how we play in these wins in games like this. So I, I do think, I just want to say, I, I think we, I think tonight is a good lesson in how, we can sometimes let results dictate our emotions too much because like, think about how much different the tone of this post game would be. If Jalen Brown just hits two free throws, that's kind of silly from like a rational standpoint. And the fact that we're able, we're not rational people. I agree. But the fact that we're able to like more, more, more easily zoom out and be like, man, the Knicks really played well for the middle 38 minutes of that game, you know, from, halfway through the first until halfway through the fourth that was like you know except for the Mavs game probably they're maybe even better than the Mavs game their best stretch of the season but we wouldn't be talking about any of that if Jalen Brown just hits two free throws which is kind of kind of silly yeah um and so I just feel like it's a lesson in not being too results oriented and maybe that works this way, you know, maybe even though we won, we're supposed to talk a little bit more about, hey, why did the Knicks blow a 12-point lead? You know, why? Well, did, why yeah. Don't care. Don't yeah. care. Don't yeah. well, we, don't have, we don't have to talk about it because everyone knows. Everyone saw the game. Yeah. Like, everyone knows the Knicks' tendencies at this point. Like, like you can literally, like, I don't know. I, I literally typed. I typed out. I was like, I've seen this movie too many times from the Knicks seen this movie way too many times from the Knicks like you you literally know as soon as like a certain time frame hits in the fourth quarter like oh all right here we go just you're just preparing for like the other team to come back so that way you can say all right well now let's see how the Knicks handle this because like the Knicks they've they've shown now they can either handle it bad way or they can handle it a good way they can remain with poise and you know push through it and eke out a win like they did today or they can fold like we've seen them do plenty of times this year so yeah now you're right but yeah um i mean 
who do, who do we want to like highlight today? You know, I mean, last last post game we we highlighted Emmanuel quickly who came out today and you know let's do it again. It made made our praises even that much more you know relevant. Um, highlight him again. Let's let's go. Like he, I mean, he, he he's right now the third best player on the Knicks, and it's not close. With yeah. Mitch out, he's the third best player on the Knicks, and. We need to start having a serious conversation about what coming off the bench is doing because he played 12 less minutes than Quentin Grimes and RJ Barrett tonight. RJ and hit he, the game, and the- he had much better games than all of them. Yeah, he, he, had the he single-handedly turned the game around in the second quarter. Yeah, and look, I mean, I understand the logic behind well, quickly needs to be playing with the bench unit because he's the best initiator, yada yada, but if his impact is going to be so much higher than those two, I'm not sure the fit, the fit part of it matters. If he's going to be playing regularly 10 plus minutes, less a game that hurts the Knicks, like him not being on the court hurts the Knicks as we've seen the entire season. Um, He was amazing tonight. Uh, Struggled a little bit down the stretch with, you know, the size of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I think that's what Tibbs was thinking when he got RJ Barrett back in. Don't necessarily agree with the decision, but hey, it worked out. RJ hit hit the shot of the night, so we'll take it. True. Um, One thing I did tweet um, in relation to IQ is that he didn't – I don't think IQ played at all in the third quarter. Um, No way. That that, that can't be right. He had – I will double check. But, uh, nah, either he, he barely played or he came in like towards like the minutes. end of the him, him and Hardenstein minutes, exactly. came in at like the two minute mark yeah yeah so it, it felt like basically he didn't play the whole fourth quarter and I in the whole third quarter and I basically tweeted out like he's gonna like probably try to like run IQ for like 12 straight minutes in the fourth yeah. quarter which he almost did but he didn't but yeah I mean and that's the thing that's what I'm talking about is like it, if Tibbs isn't gonna make a sub until the at least the four minute mark and in the second half it's always later so let's say it's the four minute mark in the first half and the three minute mark on average in the second half that's 17 minutes of the game of a 48 minute game that emmanuel quickly is just disqualified from playing so in a 48 minute game we're telling our third best player you your ceiling is 31 minutes and then to get to that ceiling he has to play a 16 minute shift and then a 15 minute shift in the second half that's just it's not sustainable and it's just it's just not good rotating. It's, so, it's, it's, like, it's also it's not, not good for building rhythm. Right. Exactly. It's, it's not sustainable really, and somehow he's making it work. This is the crazy thing. The fact that Tim Thompson was actively sabotaging his rotations in minutes, and he's somehow still one of the most positive players in the NBA just kind of speaks to how good quickly he is. Now imagine if he's getting regular shifts. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. Random right. non-Knicks related question, but I feel like one of you is going to know. Did Luca get hurt tonight? Yes, he did. Um, it said that he left the game with a leg injury. He went. To Everything is coming up, Millhouse. Everything that's a, <laughs> everything is coming up, Millhouse. The, the Knicks pick is starting to look juicy. It's already sixteen, dude. <laughs> like, if, Luca misses, if Luca misses two weeks. Um. But yeah. Um. I mean. So far, so good with this this stretch, um, this stretch of the schedule. We do got the Nets coming up on. Wait, who's it's the Nets on Saturday, Saturday right? Saturday, Rogers Week. Oh boy! All right, let's see how that goes. I mean, don't care, don't care. I I am trying to remain positive because the Knicks just pulled out two wins versus top teams in the East, but 
the the Nets they just have some type of like voodoo on them against us that like they just all like no matter what they somehow eke out wins against us like there was that one weird game like I think it was last year where James Johnson ended up hitting game winning free throws versus us like what the hell was that like like shit just doesn't make sense when we play the Nets so like I'm always cautious when we play versus them. I'm just not sure it really matters. Like, the Knicks have already won two games that they weren't expected to win. Unless they just take a huge dump on the court, I think, like, I think we can be pretty happy with this week as Knicks fans. I'm, yeah. Also, Julius Randle is going to win player of the week. So, enjoy that. Uh, Man, is he really? I mean, dude, he's putting up, he's averaging like 30. <laughs> yeah. And he's going to be like a massive triple. There could be like a massive double double, too. Like, he, he's, if they go three and one, like, he probably wins it. Yeah. Let's go. About time. Also, yeah, All everything right. came up Bill House today, man. Mm-hmm. Chicago lost to the fucking Hornets. Like, what a great day. Today was great. All right. Let's let's get yeah. to everyone's favorite part of these shows before we get to comments. Um, where is it? There we go. All right. Four NFL teams, two conference championship games, and only a few more shots to win big on the playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Counting down to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Not a new customer? You can feel the conference championship thrills with stepped-up same-game parlays. Take your shot at even at an even bigger NFL payout and boost your winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TBPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the conference championships and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TBPN. Minimum age and LGBT restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Let's get to some comments. Um, So Chris Bernhardt, he was in here, I guess, during the game. Um, Shout out to him. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, he said that Tatum, um, two minutes in, and Tatum is giving Grimes the work. This should be good. Um, to that point, I will say, kudos to Grimes in the second half. He did his defense intensive defensive intensity did shift. He was way more into Grimes. Um, as the team, I mean, not into Grimes, into Tatum. As the team was more into the Celtics players. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he did a much better job in the second half of defending um, Tatum and just defending in general. Um, but yeah, he's got a really sneaky, he's got really quick and sneaky hands when uh, a guy gets past him. He had a couple strips where Tatum definitely thought he had like a clear path to the rack and trip, and Grimes kind of snuck his hand in from behind. Um, yeah, I mean, Grimes has been weird lately, I'm not gonna lie. Like, it, it's first of all, it's frustrating when he can't knock down shots because, like, that's what he's got to do. He's got to shoot with confidence, and you can tell his confidence is kind of waning. Um, and then he definitely hasn't been as just like elite, elite defensively as he was, you know, those first 10 games in the starting lineup where, like, any time Grimes was beat, it was like, whoa, what just happened? Like, now it's kind of happening more regularly, and I know the competition is getting a little tougher. Um, but at the same time, like, what are we doing here? He's barely 22 years old and it's his second year. 
slip up should be expected. Like he, we should be allowing him growing pains. So it's good to see him, you know, get these minutes, get these opportunities against elite players like Jason Tatum. It's really good to see him friggin' like you just said, Sam, you know, step up to the plate and hold his own more often than not. So, you know, uh, I think we should be very, very encouraged with Grimes. Um, and I'll let Tyrese take it from there. I just need him to start pulling these shots. Like he, there was like one play where like I think the he gets it. It might have been like um a transition opportunity. He gets it wide open on the break, and he just passes it back to Brunson, who's like mid, like he's like in the mid range, and he's like almost being swarmed to the ball. And it's like, dude, take the shot. I I just need him to take the shots. Like he's not taking the shots that I think he should be taking. And unfortunately, he's not been as good of a shooter as he really should be for this team. Again, he's still young. These are the growing pains that comes with being an NBA player, especially a starter. But I think at some point, I do think that ultimately the best iteration of this team has Quentin Grimes being like that guy who's taking and making a bunch of threes and getting them off with a quick trigger. And I just kind of feel like maybe he's thinking about it a little bit. And I think he's trying to get those paint touches because, you know, the team needs them. But I just need him to embrace being a sniper, being a shooter. Also, I think this talks about, like, the bigger part where, like, we want everybody to expand their roles. But, like, to expand your role, first you need to be able to be good in your role. And Quentin Grimes, like, defensively, I think he's been great. Offensively, he still needs to take that leap. And once he takes the leap into being not just a – decent shooter but a great shooter then I feel like he can look to expand his role but he's definitely been struggling offensively at least defensively I think he's been fine and I expect him to turn it around I feel like when I feel like maybe next game he has like four or five threes and it's gonna feel like a big relief but um yeah just keep sticking with it obviously he's a positive on the court he helps out more than he hurts and it's good to see him get those stops in the second half and win on the back of his defense. I thought, um, I, I know this isn't related to the comment, but I thought of it when Tyrese said, you know, need him to start pulling and need him to start shooting. A really random moment in the game mm-hmm. that like got me excited in the game was um, early in the second quarter, RJ drove made you know the pistol drive going left at around the free throw line and he made a one-handed pass to deuce in the corner and deuce shot without hesitation and deuce missed but it was nice to see both rj make the simple read um and it was nice to see deuce with confidence i thought tonight was another step forward for deuce we hadn't said his name yet so i just wanted to give him that little shout out even though he missed i thought overall i think overall he's sort of getting his feet more and more wet into the game and he's just growing more and more comfortable. And I think he's being rewarded for it. I mean, we've seen him play as few as six minutes in a game. You know, he went over three tonight. He played 13 minutes. That's to me, that's a step forward. Cause it means Jalen Brunson, if overtime didn't exist, Jalen Brunson only would have played 35 minutes. That's, that's a great minutes distribution as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. The minutes yeah. distribution was really, was really um, much better today. Much better. Um, which, you know, makes you frustrated when it's like guys are playing like 40 minutes and, you know, the bench guys off the bench are playing like eight minutes a piece except for IQ. Right. Um, so, yeah. 
Um, let's see what other comments we got here. Chris Bernhardt also said during the game, I know it's mad early to complain about. Uh, it's mad early to complain, but that defensive rotation on the Brown three was nasty. JB and RJ covering one guy. Sim drops to cover White and Brown is opening a business with how wide open he was. Um, yeah, I think that was a little bit. I think that was like, um, just a miscommunication there. Um, due to um, because I think they were still not switching at that point. Um, so they still were confused on who was going to cover who. Um, there was also a lot of plays where guys were gambling and then just left guys like scrambling um, as well. There was a play where Grimes had gambled on the steal and then it left the rest of the defense in in flux. So, um, yeah. But, I mean, they, they cleaned it up, as we saw. The rest of the game, the defense was pretty sharp. Um so yeah. And Jeff, to your point, yeah, Luca left with an ankle injury. He's not coming back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the thing is, Chris, is that um first of all, Sam, that means Frank gets to play. So let's go, let's go, Frank. Um Millhouse. Second, every everything's coming up, Millhouse. Um, second of all, to answer to respond to Chris's question or to add to what Sam said, it's just the nature of the beast when you're watching Tibbs because Anytime any opposing player gains an advantage, you're going to see the big who's responsible for the man in the corner hedge down and, and dig down and help. That's what Tibbs asks of him. So, like, there was an especially gross one where Sims dug down and helped, perhaps unnecessarily, and Derek White had all day and hit a corner three. And it was just like, you can't really blame Sims and I'm not even sure you can blame Tibbs because his rigidity and his loyalty to his scheme is frustrating. But, like, it's also a defensive scheme that has always had his teams in the top ten. So, like, I don't know. I I, I get where you're coming from, Chris, and I get the frustration, but I'm just not sure where to aim that frustration because from a macro standpoint, the defense was excellent tonight. So – what you're going to get if you if you change your whole strategy so that those mistakes that you're pointing out are fixed you're going to get other mistakes that maybe look more glaring like you're going to get more easy paths to the basket more just like why the hell isn't anyone there at the hoop or why is why are they just getting dunk after dunk and on the whole they probably be worse i th- i think if there's one thing we can trust Tom Thibodeau to do, it's scheme a defense. Um, and this isn't to say you're wrong, or this isn't to say that Tibbs shouldn't be a little bit more flexible and throw in some different looks. But I'm just pointing out that, like, this is a good defense, and this was a really good defensive performance tonight. So maybe, just maybe not tonight to be like, oh, there was a couple of defensive possessions that I found gross. I don't know. What do you think, Tyrese? Uh, I think I would just agree with your points. I just... I'm not going to blame too too much for defense because, again, the guy knows how to coach a defense. We can talk about the offense all we want to. We can talk about pace and such. But, like, ultimately he gets people to buy in on defense aside from the Minnesota years, and that team had its problems all of its own. But, like, the guy can coach defense. I'm not going to be too critical of his defensive acumen because, ultimately, when he has the right personnel, the defense is good. The defense is top ten right now. I think they're still top ten defensively and offensively. So, like, Yeah. I'm not too mad at it. 
Oh, they dropped the fifteenth defensively. Jeez. Really? Yeah, they dropped the fifteenth. And the net rating could drop as well. Not sound right to me. I know it's weird, but the net rating is still top ten. So. Yeah, you're right. Holy cow! Jeez. I bet that. I bet that. I bet that goes up after tonight. I don't think this is updated after. For, or, oh no, it is updated. You're right. It Holy. is. Yep. Wow. That's strange. Yeah, that's hmm. wild. All right. Since it's updated, I have to do our nightly nightly check. Let's see what uh, let's see what Emmanuel quickly's true shooting percentage is up to. Oh, 55.6. You love to see it. The agenda is just. It's thriving so hard right it's, now. He's one. He's like one point zero one percent off like his career high, and he's been shooting dog shit for three, <laughs> and from the line too for his standards. So, yeah. God, he missed another free throw tonight. I know. God, man. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what's. I think that's what's made it like. Um, I think that's what's made his like scoring and like his play overall so encouraging as of late. Um. It's because the three hasn't been falling like it was, especially that rookie year. Um, and the free throws haven't been the same too. So Yeah, that's a really that's a really great point, Sam, because we talked about it last post game and we've talked about it the last few post games actually, about how the best part about Julius Randle's season is the we here season, he shot forty percent from three and he shot like fifty percent from mid range, you know, and it was like you looked at his efficiency numbers. You looked at the true shooting percentage, the E field goal percent, effective field goal percentage, and all the smart people were like, "He's never going to shoot those rate at those efficiencies ever again in his life." And we, as Nick fans, were like indignant. We we're like, "No, he's going to be at this level forever because we're like you said, Sam. We're not rational." Nope, but I think not. I think it's reasonable to say these last two ridiculous shooting performances from Randall's side. I mean, he's shooting like thirty four percent from three right now. It's not crazy to expect Julius Randle to shoot 34% from three. And yet his true shooting percentage is as high as it's ever been. And it's because of the, the, the sustainability of where he's shooting from. Well, Emmanuel quickly to what you, to your, to the point you just made, Sam, he's shooting probably as low as he'll ever shoot from three. And he's probably shooting as low as he'll ever shoot from the free throw line. And yet, what Tyrese? What did Tyrese just say? This is the highest his efficiency has ever been. Why is that? Because he's shooting from smarter spots, and because he's improved his performance inside the two point line. This is definitely the highest his two point percentage has ever been in his entire life. Yeah, that is sustainable improvement. Not just like randomly hitting a bunch of mid range shots. He's getting to spots and looks way more comfortable from those spots. Like the fact that Jalen Brunson, who legitimately is playing at an All Star level. Jalen Brunson is shooting almost 40% from three and he's shooting 8% higher than quickly is from three. And his true shooting percentage is only one and a half percent higher. And Jalen Brunson is a two point God. Like that should tell you something about. He how- hasn't been a two point God this year though, which is weird. He's been, he's been like at a career low for two point percentage. And that's because we don't run any five out sets, but like yeah. the fact that he is actually sacrificing his two point efficiency for upgraded three point efficiency if he just took more threes I swear to god he would be like 60 true shooting but like it'll never happen I've accepted that but like he's shooting 40% from three Jalen Brunson is and like yeah, I think the fact that he's basically sacrificing some of his two point efficiency and giving it to the rest of the team essentially like has given dividends because RJ Barrett shooting um, a career high from two quickly is. Um, 
Randall's been shooting his career highs with Nick. He's shooting 55% from two-point range. Like, those are the shots that's going to play. And, yeah, like, the I feel like the shot profile of the team has upgraded dramatically with Jalen Brunson's gravity and Jalen Brunson's just straight-up ability. So, And wouldn't you agree, wouldn't you agree Tyrese, that, I mean, just naturally going from being the second banana to Luka to the primary initiator on a team with bad spacing – upping your usage on a team. Like he basically went from X usage on a team with the best spacing in the league and one of the best players in the league to a higher usage, worse spacing and a worse, yeah. better teammate. Like yeah. I feel like regression from an efficiency efficiency standpoint is, is natural. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And it's not even that big of a regression because he's still 57 true shooting. And last year he was 58. So like, He's sacrificing what one true shooting essentially for a significantly upgraded role, and he's probably going to gain it back in this last couple, like the last couple, um, the home stretch because like it's Jalen Brunson. But like, yeah, like this guy, and not to mention like think of all the things he's had to like basically pull up shooting. He's had to like relearn how to pull up shoot. He's had to get used to the fact that he's playing like huge minutes, being um the primary ball handler for the first time in his career at a consistent level. So he's essentially learning on the fly, and he's an all-star caliber player, learning on the fly. Yep. Imagine year two. It, that's really such a good point. We we've brought it up, you know, the last few post games. Like this is not a guy who has grown into, you know, being a star level player, or a star level initiator. This is a guy who was basically like a role player. Then the back half of one season became a second banana. And now all of a sudden he's thrust into being arguably the highest usage player on a team that has playoff aspirations. That's not just going to happen overnight. You know, like that's, that's, that's just, that's too much to ask of a 26 year old. There's going to be progression. It's going to go up. He's going to get better, which is, should be scary for other people because or other teams. He's already playing at an all-star level. Yeah. Like think like last year, if you watched Jalen Brunson in the playoffs, which I did shamelessly, um, he did not want to pull up shoot. Like, you look at Jalen Brunson, he – Jalen Brunson's whole thing was, I'm going to take one dribble, even if I'm wide open, get to the mid-range spot, pull up from 18 feet. He's confident in taking pull-up jumpers now from three. He took yep. two in the first quarter that basically, like, helped to close that gap, and they were cash. The fact that he's getting comfortable doing that, and now after the fact he's getting to the free throw line a ton, he doubles his free throw output. Um, he's significantly increased his assists while barely increasing his turnovers. He's worth the steal a game. Like, like we could talk about, you know, the, the difference between like Brunson and quickly is minimal, but at the same time, like Brunson's like high end peak is so massive for this team's outcome. And the fact that again, he's still learning to do the job and he's this good is a testament to how good he is, how much work he puts in and how much better he makes this team. I do want to say, um, because it's being discussed on Twitter right now, if Tibbs is going to make these defense for offense subs, like I love the fact that he went small with Randall at the five when we needed offense, and then Randall immediately got fouled. Like that was an awesome decision by Tibbs. And then he put he put Sims back in. Sims, when we, we have a timeout left, Sims needs to come in for Brunson. Like there's no reason for it to not be quickly and Grimes on the court. I don't care. Like, I don't care that Brunson got the game winning block, which I'm pretty sure came after the buzzer sounded it. That needs to be quickly and Grimes in there defending the other team team's best players. Eventually that's going to get us. Definitely. Um, 
And I get it. I, I said this. Uh, I forget what it was. It was like a month ago. I got it when we didn't have any timeouts and Tibbs was like, well, I want Brunson out there for the offense. So I'm not going to take him out because I don't have a timeout to get him back in there. Okay. But the Knicks had a timeout tonight. They had a timeout when we were up two, and he put Sims back in for quickly. And I just think that's, I think that's a mistake. Definitely. Definitely. Um, last comment from Chris Bernhard before we get to some other comments. Um, I thought this one was really good. Um, someone on the coaching staff got to get to RJ during the all-star break. He's thinking he has to, he's got to live up to his contract through scoring and it's hurting him everywhere else. His defense is unacceptable. Um, I will say today with RJ, his defense was much better in the second half. Yeah. The second half defense legitimately spurred that run. Yeah. And it was, it was much closer to the product that we saw, um, the beginning of last season, especially like when we saw, you know, RJ's defensive highlight early last season was, you know, that clutch play on, um, that clutch defense on, on DeMar DeRozan, um, so, you know, it, it, it was shades of that type of defense and, you know, again, goes back to my earlier point about like with the team and like their defense as a whole, even with RJ, um, when he shows this type of defensive intensity, it's like, hey, why can't you bring this to the table more often? Because we know it's there. We've seen it. Now let's do it more often so that way, you know, we can spare ourselves some of these, you know, offensive performances by other other opposing players. Um, but, yeah, I thought his defense was much better in the second half. Um, I thought a lot of the shots that he was taking, even though they were easy looks, I thought, you know, maybe let's 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 just pass it out because you just don't have it right now um, and get someone else, you know, the ball who has it rolling, whether it be quick, whether it be JB, whether it be Randall. So um, those are my, my my takeaways from RJ today. But, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he was able to, you know, hit the clutch shot. Um, I always trust him in those moments. But, yeah. What, in my opinion, from like a film perspective, what I've noticed is him and Quickly have really tried to learn from Jalen Brunson. And the difference between Quickly and RJ is RJ still doesn't have great touch from floater range. And that's maybe being generous. <laughs> um, I, I do think he's improved, but it's still not great. And so quickly can hold a defender on his back and be methodical as he inches his way into the paint because eventually it's going to draw help because you can't give quickly a path to the basket. He's too efficient now within five feet. RJ is much better going fast because his athleticism and size is something that quickly doesn't have. And so if you notice when he gets downhill, that's when he attracts that help. When he puts a defender on his back, the way Bronson and the way quickly do, it kind of gives the defense a chance to set itself because they don't really respect RJ inside the paint when it kind of slows down. And so that leads to those stagnant possessions where RJ's holding the guy on his back, looking for something to open up. And then he's like, well, fuck it, I'm here. I'm just going to take a shot because I've got no one to pass to. RJ's best passes come when he's decisive and moving towards the basket, creating an advantage with his size and athleticism. Um, And until he improves from floater range and becomes at least like, until that becomes like a plus shot, I think he should be more decisive going downhill and use that to his advantage because I don't think the Brunson methodicalness is for him right now. 
Yeah. I I wanted to talk about like there was a pass, I believe, in the second quarter where like RJ penetrates, gets the defense tilted, one hand it's like deuce in the corner and deuce takes the shot and he misses it. But like that's an example of how when he's decisive, he's able to um his passing is just like he can pass, dude. Like the guy can pass. He can make every pass in the book. He's not gonna do the, he's not gonna be Luca or Lamelo with it, but like his passes are very functional and they're efficient. He just doesn't do it as much as you really you should. And it makes no sense given the fact that um, he creates so many advantages. Like his advantages created in the paint, probably like top ten in the league. Like I can't think of ten better dudes in the league who could get to the paint as much as RJ Barrett and the way he can do it. And the fact he collapses defenses so heavily and he just does not pass the way he should pass. Like he could legitimately be like 17 to 5 and 5. Like that's how good he can be. But he just the floater is still like not respected. The finishing around the basket is still um leaves a lot to be desired. And I feel like if he committed himself to just being a ball mover and passer, like he would be so much more functional. And he would honestly be just be a better player, a more valuable player. But that's why the ceiling is still the highest for him of anyone on the team. Like, I don't care how down you want to be on RJ. The fact that he's already collapsing defenses the way he does at his age, like, I think it's reasonable to say that it's not unrealistic to for him to just get better around the rim. Like, that's a thing you can get better at. It's not unrealistic for somebody to sit him down, show him film, and just be like, dude, you're getting to these spots and all the eyes are on you. Look here, here, or here. Like that comes with experience. That comes with reps. It comes with maturing. And you take away, you know, one to two of those forces in the paint and turn it into a kick out. Okay, all of a sudden his efficiency is going to rise and his assists are going to rise. And yeah, he's going to have some turnovers. But like you just said, Tyrese, he's going to be a much more valuable player once he starts making those decisions and then you combine it with just him getting better at the rim oh my god that's that's a full step forward you know like that's the offensive player like he can legitimately touch i don't want to say 60 but like i think high 50s true shooting he's already there like if he just committed himself to just being like that kind of player he's already at like 54 true shooting and he the floor is the roof you know like there's just so much there's just so much fruit you can grab and i feel like when he does do it i don't know if it'll be on this team or not but you can clearly see like there's a high end level of rj barrett where like he's just literally he's like touching 25 and 5 yeah i I do think though that his ceiling is going to be determined by how he's used and you got mad at me when i said this a few games ago tyrese I do think him being a play finisher rather than a play starter hurts his development in that standpoint. I think that him going three to four minutes between touches sometimes hurts his development from that standpoint, because all of a sudden he hasn't touched the ball in four minutes. Mentally, he's going to, he gets the ball. He's going to be looking to score more, you know, like it's not, it's not as intuitive for him to look for teammates because who knows when he's going to touch the ball next. Um, so I'm not, you know, I understand that this team is going to go as Julian, Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson go, but I think a middle ground exists where RJ can get a more prominent role from a profile standpoint in the offense. Celtics coach is hilarious. I love you, Jalen. 
That quote was hilarious. So they asked him, they said, what do you say to Jalen after missing the two free throws to lose the game? Joe Mazzula says, I love you, Jalen. And the reporter says, okay, what else? I love you, Jalen, and I believe in you. <laughs> like, that's like, like the cool what? Version. That's the cool version of, like, Steve Nash hugging Kevin Durant after, like, Durant <laughs> went off for, like, 51 in the conference finals, not the conference um, semifinal series ago. That's legitimately him just, like, hugging on Jalen Brown. Like, Imagine Dib saying some shit like that to New York reporters. Like, what? Like, how do you oh, even take a coach seriously? Like, Bourbon would come out of retirement. <laughs> Bourbon would come out of retirement just for an expose. Like, oh my God. Um, <laughs> um, Ricky Ricardo says, best road Knicks win since. Um, I would say Denver this year. Yeah. That was yeah. a great win. Should be Dallas. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Let's not talk about Dallas. Um, It's either Denver or Utah because the thing, the thing that the Utah win had at the time is Utah was like, I know they've kind of come back to earth, but at the time they were playing really well. And when you compare that to the fact that Denver didn't have Jokic, I don't know. I'm not saying it's definitely Utah, but I think Utah's up there with Denver. So one of those, one of those two. Thing is though, like the Denver went, the last Denver win happened was like when I was like six. So like, yeah, the last point. Denver win was with like Jamal Crawford and them. Yeah, it was a, it was at the Jamal Crawford weird ass game winner where like he basically they turn it over at half court, they get it back, and then he just puts up a three that clanks. So like, yeah, I did the Denver one just in terms of like breaking that streak. Um, also, it had like a really intense ending. Yeah. Like we had like Julius diving on the floor, Jalen Brunson getting a dunk. <laughs> we had Emmanuel Quickly's clutch defense on Jamal Murray. You had yeah. Sims playing great defense on a switch against um Jamal Murray as well in the end of that game. Like, just a, a lot of great stuff happened. And Michael Porter I mean, Jr. had a stinker. So like Yeah, I know Nicole Jokic wasn't playing and like that may like you know ruin some of the luster for some people. Not for me though. I freaking enjoyed that win. Um and yeah, like Terry said, the streak as well. Oh man, uh, what's what a win, man! Uh, um, I would also say probably the the other Toronto, the first the Toronto oh, yeah. win. Good point. Um, no, in Toronto, the only game we beat Toronto this year so far. Um, and our first win in Toronto since what 2015. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, hey, we've been like I, I know. I know it doesn't seem this way because you kind of forget because every game is a freaking roller coaster, but the Knicks have been better on the road this year than at home. They're 15 and 10 on the road and 12 and 13 at home. So like, I don't know, like maybe they just come together on these road trips. Yeah. I mean, that's what happened with the West coast trip to begin the season. So who knows? Um, all right. Christopher Vieira. Oh, we haven't seen you in the chat for a while. Welcome back. Great win, y'all. Please fire Thomas, though. That late game offense was abysmal as always. If you can't, if you can even call that offense, and Emmanuel quickly is the one. Look, I want Tom Thibodeau fired, he's not getting fired. <laughs> like he's he's Teflon. After that stretch last year, he's Teflon. Like, yeah, like, and the team's gonna make the playoffs this year. He's not getting fired. I mean, we, we saw we saw the the Ian Begley thing today, where like they were like, where you know, first round, even if they get like a first round exit, everyone's safe basically. Yeah, they should be. Yeah, the bars in hell, dude. Yeah, the bars in hell because this team has been garbage for the last twenty years. If this what, team, 
to be clear, when they say a first round exit, they mean of like the actual playoffs, right? Like a play. I hope so. Okay. I'd hope so. Like, I'm sorry, but people were complaining about how, you know, the Knicks are being mediocre and they're settling for mediocrity. Dude, I will take mediocrity over what the hell I had to watch the last decade. Okay. Like, I'm sorry, but if this team makes the playoffs two, two out of three years with an all-star, potential another all-star, very good young players. Well, I mean, team. we had a first-round exit just a couple years ago. Would you qualify that as a, a good first-round exit? Because, like... Yeah, because they weren't supposed to be there. I don't know. That that first-round exit was pretty shit. Okay, yeah. The fact to a team that was full of frauds. Okay, yeah, they lost to the Hawks, and it sucks. But at the same time, like they were the fourth seed going into that matchup, and nobody expected them to be the fourth seed. I just think it's different. I think I think that year Thibodeau, like he was literally making something out of nothing. Like considering firing Tibbs after you know winning Coach of the Year and like putting together a ragtag team, like winning forty games in a shortened season with a ragtag unit, getting Julius Randle, like making that contract worth it, etc. This is a different situation though because I don't think this team. Should I, I don't think we're we should be judging this team on wins and losses. That shouldn't be the goal with this team. The goal for this team should be to maximize its assets and to set the franchise on a path forward that the next five years we're looking at the best possible path forward. And it kind of concerns me if the front office isn't viewing it that way, because I promise you, most other smart franchises are viewing it that way, and also. It's really irrational and not intelligent to uh, view your team against the ghost of its franchise's past. Like what the Knicks did in 2007 as a franchise is irrelevant. So just being like, oh, well, the franchise had eight bad seasons, so I'll just embrace mediocrity. No, this is supposed to be a new front office with a new vision. Everything that happened in the past should be irrelevant. We should be trying to take the best path forward. And if you think that's Tom Thibodeau, then okay, say that's the reason. But just being like, okay, well, we made it to the playoffs, great. That's good enough for me. To me, that's not smart team building. I think at the same time, though, it's a matter of like, you have to acknowledge the past because the past, like, you you have to acknowledge the past because everybody else is going to acknowledge the past. Like, that's just the fact of life being in New York. Like, people are going to bring up the law next. People are going to bring up the mediocre seasons James Dolan's going to be a black cat around this franchise I mean we respect Mr. Dolan in this household but like I don't care facial recognition is the future um he's got your face in his crib <laughs> and it's cute too but like my whole thing is just like you have to be constant like they broke the war curse they broke the PG curse they have but like they have shifted their rationale from like previous front offices where like they were selling first round picks like candy to where they're hoarding first round picks like candy. And now it's, a, it seems a bad thing. Like, I'm sorry, but I would take a few years just being like a good playoff team and then making your moves when you know you're able to make that move in time. But like a good playoff I, team doesn't lose in the first round. I, okay. I'll, I'll also, like I, I also with a good playoff team, it's like the process in which like, even if you are going to be a first round out, it's the process in which you are first round out. If like you, if you go out like swinging in like a seven game series, then I'm, I'm, I would be, I wouldn't be content with it, but like it would be reasonable. 
But like if you go out in like five games to a team like the way the Hawks were structured, like that's pretty disappointing, especially if your players are underperforming too. So it's also about the process in which your first round exit. Um, so it's like for them to just come out and say, hey, first round exit, we're good. Like, eh, I don't know. I mean, I, I just I think you're probably looking at the case where that's I think that's probably going to be the case. Like they're gonna they're gonna make the they're gonna make the playoffs if they give a team hell in the first round. Okay, if they somehow can scrape by and win a playoff series, even better. But like, ultimately speaking, I feel like this team's going in the right direction. I feel like they're building around their youth. Like making the playoffs with this this roster, which basically has aside from their two best players, everybody twenty five and younger. Like, that's a good process. That's basically right. investing in your talent. That's then, all the front office, though. The front office is the one giving the players. It's on the head coach to maximize their path forward. The front yeah. office can't just be like, well, we have a, a roster full of young guys that we provided for you, so it doesn't matter how the coach deploys them. It's just we have these players. Who cares if the Knicks have them if they're not being optimally developed? I'm not saying Tibbs isn't optimally developing them. I'm saying this is how the team should be judged. Yeah. I don't think you've give you've given one compelling reason that Thibodeau should just keep his job if they No, I don't think I don't think Thibodeau's everything that you're everything that you're saying has been created by the front office. No, no, and I'm, again, not saying- I'm not I'm not saying that Thibodeau hasn't done a good job. I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying I want to hear a more compelling reason to keep Thibodeau than Because Tyrese, along with the with with the Ian Begley thing, it was also mentioned like basically Thibs would be safe in that scenario. Yeah, I know, I know I'm I care more about the front office. I don't like I think Tibbs again, we all know that we think Tibbs should be fired. I'm just saying in general, like I'm talking about the process of the front office more than Tibbs because I think mm, okay. Tibbs like I, I just don't come from that. Yeah, like the front office should like legitimately feel like, yeah, we're going in the right direction. Now is Tibbs the right direction? I don't agree, but at the same time, like at this point, you're gonna look at the resume and like the Knicks aren't gonna make a move like that until they feel like it's going to be harmful. Like I'm telling you, Tibbs is probably getting an extension this offseason. Sadly. He's getting how, how has it man, this let's just save this conversation for another time. Let's go, Tibbs. You won at Boston. This was a great win. You're He's a good coach. I say it every time. I feel like it's like it's like when we were talking about Brunson versus quickly last post game. Like this isn't. It's obvious Tibbs is a good coach. His guys play for him. He knows how to draw up defensive schemes. Any time, and I think Sam will agree with this because me and Sam are usually on the same page here. Any time we're being overly negative about Tibbs, even when we're like super hyperbolic, I hate him. There is an underlying. There is an underlying level of respect for like who he is and his intelligence as a coach. Like clearly, what my Twitter doing. says otherwise. But <laughs> this is right. every well, time he hears for, it's great. for me at least, I, I just I don't think I should have to say that every single time. Like, <laughs> um, I just I'm I am skeptical still, even in spite of a great win like this. That you know, like you were just saying, Tyrese, you were like, oh, well, we've got an average age of like, but you can point to multiple Knicks who are amongst that average age on the lower end, who, in my opinion, Thibodeau has done irreparable damage to. And the front office should judge him on that. Irreparable? I don't think irreparable. Obi Toppin? I don't think that's irreparable. I'm sorry. 
Like, I think Obi, even if Obi Thompson is another team, I don't think that somehow this season is going to have lasting effects on how he plays out the rest of his career. Because I do feel like ultimately, I think a coach is going to be able to maximize him. And I do feel like even in this bad context, the fact that Obi Thompson basically had to be forced to shoot in order to become a rotation player, like, that's going to build well for his next team because now he's at a legitimate shooter. Dude, that that movement three he hit to put it up, put the Knicks up 100. He does not take that a day in. Hell, I don't even think he takes. Oh, the sidestep! That shit was smooth as butter, man. Yeah, yeah, like he he does not take that a day in, and like that development. Is, he doesn't take that. He doesn't take that in his rookie year. Yeah, like he takes it last year when he was like getting thirty five minutes a game because Randall was out with quote unquote injury. But like, yeah, like I think Tibbs basically shoot pegging him into the role of you're going to be a screen set the and rebounder and floor spacer, um, or Giannis somehow gave him like that shooting development that he desperately needed because that was like his one swing skill coming into the NBA. And I think on his next team, that plus the fact that he's going to be able to get touches as a roller, he's going to be able to get more transition touches. He's going to get better passing around him is probably going to make him a really good player in his next team. Yeah. I, but yeah, whatever. I mean, we've talked about this too long already. So, and we, we, we talk about this all day. I just don't think Tibbs should be getting credit for I don't, mis- I, misusing a player so badly that he backdoored into. It's not like there's no chance if you gave Tibbs truth serum, he was like, "Yeah, I use Obi this way so that he would develop as a shooter." No, like, <laughs> there's just no way. I, I, I get. It. I agree with that, but at the same time, I think it's also a matter of like the role that Tom Thibodeau gave Obi basically forced Obi to become a good shooter. Otherwise, he was not going to – he's going to see the court even less than he does now. Yeah, I mean, remember his year one, like, I feel like there was a pretty large contingent of Knicks fans who wanted Knox to just play over him. Like, the argument was just, like, if they're going to be the backup four for ten minutes and – And just want to shoot threes in the corners. Just, right, exactly. Just Knox out there. Yep. I was one of those people that was like, hey, if you're going to misuse Obi like this, then – Throw Knox out there and let him like break three. I was them. saying like... trade Obi. <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. I mean, yeah, but like Terry, we, we need to do a Strickland 30 for 30 on the origins of your Randall love. Like, were you loving Randall in 2019, <laughs> 2020? No, I wanted him to trade it, but after all, I'm yeah. like, okay, this dude like literally there was like not a single person in this family so I think you could find that would like wanted to keep Randall after that first dude, year. Dude, I literally have the abysmal. I had the Joe Biden Minnesota clip every time that Randall had a bad game in 2019, 20. Like <laughs> it was it was dude, like when they when they talk about the Hornets wanting to forward. Like the guy who's like, are you ready to go? I had those clips lined up random, but like after that, after the bubble season, like I was like, okay, okay, this dude's wildly talented. This team doesn't really have that much like wildly talented players. Like he's an all NBA, he's an all NBA player. I'm not giving, I'm not punting on that after one year. I'm sorry. And it turns out you buy the dip, and sometimes you come out rich. And Randall Coin is to the moon. Yeah. Yes. Just imagine. Uh-huh. Yeah. To the fucking moon. Let's, let's get to the next comment. This post game says me three hours. <laughs> JL says blowing leads is way more fun when we win. Um agreed. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember the last game that we blew a lead in and, and won. I mean, I can only remember all the ones that we lost because there have been so damn many. Um but yeah. 
it's crazy. It's crazy how often it's the Knicks have a lead and then um, it's close down the stretch. Like, how many times have we seen the Knicks catch a team from behind? I know last year the meme about the Knicks was, oh, they're the fake comeback team. It's been – it hasn't been that at all. The Knicks have a lead in, like, every game this season. Yeah. The only the game they have a runner. lead in was, like, the Wizards game. The fake front runner. I don't I mean, think it's I don't think it's fake though. I mean is I this think fake it's a really good basketball team until until they 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 the they're like a kid near like a pinata or something. You know what they're, <laughs> like? they're like they're like Chris Jericho climbing the ladder and getting a ladder match. You know how like the wrestlers are trained to make it look like they're really close but they don't grab the title, you know? Yeah. Like that's what the Knicks are like. They're like they think that they have to like extend the match. And it's like just fucking grab the title, man. It's right there. Oh my, oh my. It, God. Or like the dude who like comes to the top of the ladder and then Swanton's off it for whatever <laughs> reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've been seeing a lot of people complain about Brunson. I just want to bring this up. Um, Shut the fuck up. Like a lot of people are complaining. Like he dribbles so much. He like he he doesn't set up the offense like like IQ. I agree with that, but like also like Thibs like once um right. Brunson has the ball, like he wants Brunson to isolate and score or just like find an opening um to allow someone else to score. Like that's literally what Thibs wants him to do out there. Like when Quickly's out there, he doesn't really trust Quickly to like isolate that often or to like I mean quickly it does end up isolating more often anyways than he probably should, um, just because it's a result of playing in this bland ass offense um but like when players are dribbling so much in this offense it's literally a design of the offense because it's so whack like how can you not understand that like i just don't understand how people don't watch what they're seeing and correlate what the coach is dictating to the players and like i just don't get it and like when people want to complain about the players it's like no they're following what the coach wants like the coach wants these guys to like just do nothing on offense basically and just like figure it out. It's ISO and inshallah at this point. Like and, and this is why in spite of the win, there should be questions about 53 minutes of Sims and Hardenstein. Because how many possessions that like it's like the Celtics almost didn't want to let the secret out that they knew. They just assumed they'd beat the Knicks anyways. And then in the last six minutes of the game they're like, okay, we'll do it. We'll let the Knicks know that we know. And they just started ignoring Jericho Sims. And Sims didn't make them pay once. Not once. How many times did Jalen Brunson do the snake dribble under the rim and have Jericho Sims just standing there in the corner by himself? So you have Jalen Brunson and Jericho Sims standing next to each other in the corner with five Celtics defenders between Jalen Brunson, the basket, and and, and all three other Knicks players. The Knicks are effectively playing four on five. And... That's okay when it's Mitchell Robinson. Why is it okay when it's Mitchell Robinson? Because he's the best or second best offensive rebounder in the league. And because he's one of the three most impactful interior defenders in the league. Jericho Sims is almost a layup line defensively. Like he's not offering a semblance of the defensive rim protection that Mitchell Robinson is. And he's not offensive impacting the offensive glass nearly as much as Mitchell Robinson is. If those two things are true, I don't get how you can watch that and not just play your five best players. Play RJ instead of Jericho Sims down the stretch and play Randall at the five. I promise you it's going to be okay. Like, it's going to be fine. The other team wasn't playing that big. 
And if and guess what? If Robert Williams destroys you on the offensive glass, if Jason Tatum's getting to the rim at will because you're too small, call a timeout and sub him back in. You're allowed to do that. But you Tatum can't doesn't just, know that. You can't just sit there and watch the team exploit Jericho Sims for six straight minutes and just assume it's going to get better. That doesn't make any sense at all. Um, so, like, you can't get mad at Jalen Brunson when his to Sam's point when his job is to probe, find somebody, get open, or get a shot for himself, and he's playing four on five. There's nothing to do. There's no play for him to call. There's no he could give it to somebody else, but somebody else would just dribble the air out of the ball and do a worse job at it. So, Chris, and, 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 and that's that's why like I was like so confused, Ariel. Um, he t- he tweeted out like when JB gets doubled and trapped, like someone else needs to be out there to like help him with initiating yeah. and whatnot. And it was so baffling to me that Thibs didn't have him out there because it's like, all right, they're ignoring Sims and JB's getting trapped. Like, hello, put right. IQ out there. Like, what are we doing? Like, I thought this was obvious, but it's obviously not. So like those doubles can't happen. If it's the Knicks five best players out there on the court. Yeah, they can't. They just can't happen because all of a sudden Brunson has three outlets. I mean, even Grimes, even Grimes is good at attacking advantages, but he has three very clear outlets in Randall quickly and RJ. And then he has four guys who can shoot. Those doubles just can't happen. Also, that, that, that was a, that was an OB game. That was an OB game to the nth degree. Like, Oh, they are. They they all are, Tyrese. Like you could live legitimately in a big lineup, but like given the fact that they have Horford and um, Time Lord, like you could have ran something like IQ or maybe like Brunson, IQ, Grimes, Obi, Randall, or if you wanted to put like um, Randall to three, Obi at the four, and then like run a big lineup like with Hartenstein, like. There were I don't know why Hartenstein didn't play the stretch down here. I, I gotta be honest, I'm not about that. I I I see people calling for it all the time. I don't think Obi has the foot speed to play the three. I think he I think Randall does. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Randall. That, that's actually a really interesting point because Randall crushes on switches. Yeah, like you put Randall basically guarding like smaller wings. I would trust him with that because like, he can card one to four realistically on the switch. And you put basically Obi just like you could hide Obi on like their stretch four or whatever, and then. You put Hartenstein in as your as your rim protector, and you have a bunch of cutting with Hartenstein and IQ and um Ob. You have your release three point shooter with Grimes, and you basically have Randall in a situation where he can like one four flat, and you can't like, you can't cop the paint against that. So it's a really good lineup. I would like to see it try, but I don't think you're, you're going to try it because of this coach. So. All right, oh my another... god. All right, are you guys ready for this? Because this is the Sam conspiracy theory of a lifetime. That asshole, whatever the fuck his first name is, Hauser, who killed us early in the season. Sam Hauser. Yeah. Sam Last Hauser. game he played 26 minutes against the Heat and was 0 for 6. Why does he just decide to make everything against the Knicks? I'm just sick. I'm sick of these guys coming out of the woodworks and just making every single shot against only the Knicks. It's infuriating. He had two, he had two threes. <laughs> I mean, whatever. That's too too many. He went over. He played three times as many minutes against the Heat and went over six. Like played eight minutes against the Knicks and he just nails them. And they always are like the most annoyingly timed threes. I'm just sick of it. Go away. It's always the Knicks. It's always the Knicks. 
So go back to your dad's car company and run that, you know? Like <laughs> um, all right. Um, Christopher Vieira with a couple comments here. He says, gotta show love to IQ's improvement as a two-point score. Not something I thought would happen so soon, but it's been amazing to watch. I truly don't think we know what his ceiling is quite yet. Um, and we may never know with the yeah. way the coach utilizes him. And just Brunson. Yeah, Brunson being here does kind of – I mean, also, that, that does, I think that does lend its hand to the coach because I think a coach would find a way to balance – you know, being able to utilize both him and Brunson without Brunson being in too much in his way. Yep. Yeah, quickly would play multiple shifts a half. He would play 30 minutes a game. It wouldn't be one 15-minute shift each half. He would – it would just – yeah, I mean, yeah. can't grab on tips too much, but I definitely agree I, that I can always combination of Brunson being here and how Tibbs utilizes him is just going to cap his ceiling while he's a Nick. I mean, it could be a good thing, though. Like, I mean, I hear people talking about quickly signing for four for 60. I would love to hear what Tyrese thinks, but I know, well, I know Tyrese agrees with me that if he does sign four for 60, we have the best contract in the NBA, but he's not signing for four for 60, right? Yeah. I mean, Colin Sexton signed for four for 72. He's so much better than Sexton. The thing is, like, Colin Sexton was literally putting a 22 people during 62 shooting. Like, like that's wild. Like, I I think quickly's high end is maybe twenty million per year. Like I think at most he gets four eighty. Man, I think he's gonna probably get close. I think he's probably closer to four sixty. I mean, quickly at four for sixty, I think would be the best contract in the NBA. I can't think of a better contract. Mitchell Robinson four sixty. <laughs> like, but like, I I I legitimately think he probably gets four for sixty because like. You have to think about it. Like, how many guards in the league right now is he taking their second job over? Like, you look at him at the Rockets. I'm sorry. Like, you're not going to invest in, like, you have Jalen Green there. There's a chance you could scoop. Like, wait, wait, who is the team you just said? I'm sorry. The Rockets, for example. Like, I think quickly would be really good on the Rockets. But the problem is they have Jalen Green there and they have a chance to probably get someone like Scoop. Why? So, is it? Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good point. I think I think the problem is like I don't think there's really a lot of starting jobs out there for quickly. Well, I mean, there was that rumor of the Suns, you know, viewing him as a Chris Paul. The problem placement. is the Suns. The problem the Suns have nowhere to get cap space. I mean, Chris Paul went to Germany. He must have. All of a sudden, he's just really good again. So I'm telling you, man, PED. He's on that Braun PED plan. He's he said he Braun hooked him up. He sent Braun the text and was like, "Yo, I need your guy." Also, how the fuck are the Mass winning this game anyway? Because <laughs> of Frank. Spencer, Spencer <laughs> fucking Dinwiddie is actually locking, is actually cooking you. God. <laughs> what a pitiful franchise the Suns have become. Um, But yeah, like, I think quickly his contract right now is probably going to be like four for 70. Dude, and that's, he, after, that's he's, after incentives. If he's forced to sign for four for 60, he should honestly sue. <laughs> dude like you cost me i don't know i feel i feel like he should I don't know. obviously the, yeah. the problem is like if you're quickly there are you going to try to gamble on yourself and free agency like dude i'm sorry but you're never getting minutes on this team you're never like your ceiling is capped tips is gonna be your coach who's paying for you yeah that's like that's my problem like the sample size is gonna be too small and nobody's gonna really believe it and like I don't like I don't see what team is gonna pay him a lot of money. Like I think straight up, 
you look at him like a Kevin Herter type. Like, that's just an elite role player. But, like, Kevin Herter made, what, four for 55? And he took a bit of a bargain. But, like, if I'm looking at every salary right now, I think he gets, like, maybe high-end Buddy Heel money, which is, like, four for 80. I, I do agree with you. Um, I will say, though, all it takes is one team. Yeah, I agree, but, like, there's so little cap space in the league. Yeah. Fair enough. There's See, so little cap If space. a team is really that desperate to get him, they'll make it work. Like, I'll give you some I'll give you some names and, like, their contract. You're going to be like, what the hell? And Quickly's going to probably get lower than that. Like, Terry Rozier is making $96 million. Do you think Quickly's getting that? No. I okay. I, do, I think he's better than Terry Rozier, though. I agree, but at the same time, like, you look at someone like, uh, what? Marcus Mark got four for 77. I think Smart's better than Quickly right now. So those two contracts just blow my mind. Like, Smart's obviously better than Rozier. Yeah, like... Smart's really good. So, yeah, like, I I think he get, like, maybe as much as Marcus Smart. But, like, you can't justify that because Marcus Smart's the defensive player of the year. So, yeah, I I think he gets four for 60. I think he gets paid, but I think he gets, like, a four for 60 deal. Like... I think he's gonna think himself to get like Anthony Simon's contract, but like, who's giving that to him? Yeah, I guess we should we should give Tibbs that extension then. <laughs> because of his coaching, we're getting Emmanuel quickly for four years, sixty million dollars. Yeah. yeah, he did it. He, he did it. Yeah, dude, man, Obi Thompson's gonna sign for like three for fifteen or something. He's gonna sign for a a a, a, a bunch of Kit Kats. Like, I don't think they extend him, but like I feel like his extension right now is gonna be like pitiful. Like, he's he, might sign, he might just sign for the veterans minimum. That dude is an abuse victim. He'll just take what they give him. He dude, loves he, being in New York. He loves New York, man. I know. Like going from like New York to Indiana was gonna feel like <laughs> going from like heaven to hell. Like, oh poor Obi, poor Obi. Yeah, yeah. Um, so someone who lived in India, I really loved it there. So not, not, <laughs> I was a fan. Um, let's see. We got bad eyesight. What a name there. Um, RJ was really great on Brown tonight. Tatum kept trying to get the switch on Randall and get RJ off of him. Yeah, I mean, down the stretch, I mean, Tatum really kind of just had his way just blown by um, Randall. Um, he got him. In, he got him for a couple fouls too, down the stretch. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, despite that, the Knicks were still able to pull out a win. So you know, yeah, Tatum um, mismatch hunting for Randall, and we still got the W. So shout out to his team for its resilience. Also, mismatch hunting for Randall is gonna be like the worst way to like set yourself up. Yeah, I mean, it worked for him. I mean, like, did it? He got, he got, he got, a, he got a foul, and he got an and one. I think. Yeah, but that's like some rough bullshit. To be fair true but it worked so like i feel like regarding rj i really didn't like his defense in the first half i thought that was really really discouraging i just think he lets the opposing team he doesn't make them feel him enough he's weak around screens and like that jalen brown go-ahead bucket at the end of the fourth was like a very um symbolic is was very symbolic to what i'm talking about like rj had him in the corner and brown's path to the basket was almost like he wasn't even there like he just for someone rj's size he just needs to be more of a physical presence i do agree with bad eyesight that 
once RJ got into it, and I think it started when he came back in in his second shift in the first half, that through basically the end of the game, I really think he locked in more, and I do agree he did a good job. I just think we need to see more of it, and we need to see it on a more consistent basis. But we know the ceiling's there. We saw him play plus-plus defense for an entire season as a 20-year-old. So, like, it should be there. It's all there for him to take and to provide value to this team. I'm just, you know, we need to see more of it. Yep. Um, Jordan Bubb. Hey, Jordan. If Dib starts running actions late in game, such as the example that Jeff pointed out that we did one time, we could be dangerous. And it's sad that we as fans have to expect Dibs to do something that every other coach does in the NBA. I mean, I want to say every other coach because... Yeah, I was Celtics, just about to say that too. The Celtics late game offense was literally Jason Tatum and Jalen Brunisus. No, they were running like Spain and stuff. They, I mean, I agree with you. It was simplistic, but they were at least running stuff. Yeah, but it was essentially just to get Jalen um, Brown or Jason Tatum a shot. Yeah, but and the it, thing there's a difference, though. Those guys are better. That is one difference. Fair. The, second thing, the second thing is if the ball handler isn't going to capitalize on the action that's happening in front of him, that's the ball handler making a decision that he wants to go ISO. Like the first play call is all the coach can control. So if Jason Tatum has all this action happening in front of him, and don't be, and, and don't be mistaken, the Celtics have a lot of stuff that's meant to confuse the defense happening. It's not just a simple ball screen like the Knicks is. If Jason Tatum isn't going to capitalize that and try to leverage the advantage that's being created for him by his teammates, the resulting ISO isn't on the coach. When Julius Randle sets a screen and then goes and plants himself in the middle of the floor and Jalen Brunson just passes him the ball, that is the initial action that the Knicks are running. That is what Tibbs wants. So I just, I don't think, I I think that's a false equivalence. Um, That's fair. That's fair. Also, funny comment from um, a Celtics fan. It's uh, Reggie is fucking insufferable. Bro was blatantly rooting for the Knicks all game. Uh, do you know who Reggie Miller is? Yeah. I feel like all I see is... Uh, I feel like all I see is Knicks fans talking about how he hates the Knicks and... Uh, Dude, Reggie Miller literally trolls the Knicks every chance he gets. And somehow he was rooting for us. Even though he misread the fact that he had Jalen Brunson as an all-star team. Like, come on. I, I, know, I know Sam would win money, but I, I think that... LeBron breaking the all-time scoring record with Reggie Miller calling it would be the worst day of my entire life. Like, I just, I, I don't think I could do that. I, I would watch it on mute. <laughs> Seems like I'll take it. I'll, I'll, I'll sign up for that. I mean, we saw we saw what happened with the Steph thing. I mean, oh. the NBA, they want this to happen in MSG, man. Dude, like, like, he would have to score 70 at one point, dude. LeBron? How do you know it's not yeah. going to be 70 in MSG? That would be such a storybook, you know, thing to happen. He's like, how, many, how many points back is he right now, Terry? He's like 148, right? Yeah, let me check. He quick. had like 20 last night. I was like, yo, what the hell? I yeah, looked at the box wrong. score this morning. I was like, what the hell, LeBron? Like, you're supposed to be dropping 40 every night. Dude, I will say, though, there was like a there was like a peak LeBron stretch to start the fourth. That was just crazy, man. Like, I just can't believe he can still do stuff. I know it was against the Spurs, but like, they went, on a 12-0, they went on a 12-0 run in like 50 seconds. 
where he was in the middle of every defensive possession and set up like four straight threes for teammates. And it's just like, God, I can't believe there's people who just refuse to let themselves appreciate watching this guy. He's just, he's so unbelievable. Okay. He's 158 points away. All right. So he's, and he's, and he's got three games. Uh, let me just check real quick. I think he has four. If it's four, he's live. I think it's three though. No, it's, uh, it's Lakers, Nets, and the Knicks. So yeah, he would have to basically score like he would. Yeah, we play them uh, next week. So you mean you mean it's Celtics, Nets, Knicks, right? Yes, yes. Okay. I played this first yesterday. So he needs to have any chance. And you said he's one forty-eight. He's one fifty-eight. Oh my god! So he's gonna have so, he's gonna have fifty-three points a game. The next my game. bet yeah. is cooked unless like he goes for like eighty versus the Knicks, which is yeah. all, totally I'm you, unless he has to drop seventy at one point to at least make it manageable. Yeah. Unless he drops like fifty a game, which I. I doubt against the Celtics. I mean, all he's got to do is score 60 against the Celtics, you know? It's happened before. I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I want to put it past him, man. Like, it's LeBron. Um, yeah. Man, I didn't realize how many damn comments we had tonight. Shout out to y'all. Yeah, y'all are um, killing it. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's get through, you know, a couple more. We got a whole lot. Um. Ricky Ricardo says, um, these Knicks versus Celtics games are just insane, bro. Like, seriously, I don't know if I want a playoff series between those two teams for my blood pressure. Yeah, I mean, Knicks-Celtics has not disappointed the last couple years. I will say that. Like, those games have been peak primetime hoops. Like, those are the games that you always want to be in tune for. I mean, just these last couple years, we had what? The 48-41 ball. What, we had the Kemba winner, the overtime game. We had the the Kemba revival game in Boston on NBA TV. Um, uh, we, we last year, game, right? yeah, we did. Yeah, we, we did. lost that game. The 48-41 game. Um, the season opener, double overtime. Mm-hmm. Freaking lost my voice that night. Um, Were you at that game? Yeah, I was oh, there. I was like screaming awesome. at the top of my lungs. So After cool. every single Fournier and Randall play. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, these, these two teams, I don't know what it is, but it would be a very interesting playoff series. I would say that. I'm going to push, I'm going to push back a little bit there. We would get, <laughs> we would get absolutely destroyed by them in the playoffs. We would, we would win one game. We would win one game. There's going to be one game where like Julius hits like eight threes or whatever with his variance. And then we would absolutely lose the next two. There's just too much. There's too much exploitable about the Knicks right now that Tibbs won't change and that a smart team like the Celtics will attack. Well, their coach is telling their players they love them after they miss free throws. So I don't know, man. I don't know. We got we got the hard ass Tibbs, so you know, I don't know. You're not wrong. I just, I just think that the whole like 48 minutes of room protection thing wouldn't work out in a playoff series against the Celtics. Yeah, probably not, because they have Horford and stuff and Horford has these weird stretches where his PEDs kick in and he's able to hit like five threes and you know do all this extra shit in the paint and stuff like that. So, man, I can't. What a game by the Knicks! Like the first of all, going down fifteen in the first quarter that was bad enough, but then after the collapse, they go down five in overtime. I was sure it was done then. Yeah, once they went down five in overtime, I was like, I tweeted out, I was like, this game's over. Yeah, I was like, this game's over. <laughs> That's it. What just what an awesome performance! I hope that I hope they're psyched and I hope. I hope it builds some momentum for them. Um, let's see what other comments we got here. 
Um, Sarah Pickering brings up Grimes. Missing shots. He said he can't wait till he hits those again. Definitely agree with that. Um, Christopher Vieira also brings up RJ's defense. We had spoken about that. Um, oh, be very particular with the point. Do you think Julius Randle might break the three point record for the Knicks? Wow. How many did 48 last year? 241. So he's hitting like three a game over a full season? What's he I, at right now? Uh, I think after this game, he's at. I think he hit five tonight, right? Yeah, he hit five tonight. So he's at. Uh, he's at one thirty-six. With thirty-two games to play. That's going oh. crazy, heater. Uh, I mean that's what. Wait, how many games do we have to play? Thirty-two. Thirty-two. Yes. And he has how many? A hundred and five, if I'm doing my math right. So he has to hit over three in a, a game, assuming he doesn't miss a game. And he probably—I mean, I could—I could take the bet he won't miss a game. Um, right. So he has to hit like four a game. Yeah, that's, that's tough. I don't—I don't, I don't think that's happening. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, so let's see. Well, one thirty-six. So I'm pretty sure the record was two forty-one. Uh, just double checking to make sure. Uh, it was in fact 241. So 136. Yeah, so 105. My uh, 105 divided by three? 35. Right. Uh, it's 35 exactly. Yeah, yeah. So he, so you'd have to hit. I, I think that if he hits like five threes, that's two games worth, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I. If you gave me like plus three hundred odds, I'd take it. It's ballsy, huh? It'd be cool to see. I I I might take it. I mean, he's launching right now. How many did he shoot tonight? Thirteen. Sheesh. Damn, that's crazy. He's just... and he shot like twelve last game. Yeah, like I'm telling you, he's gonna put up like ten threes a game regularly. If he hits three of them, like he's hitting it. That's just wild. Yeah, I, I I would probably take that. I think he's gonna lose it. He's gonna hit at least hit two hundred. So, barring injury, this is just a travesty. We have to put up with Tyrese taking his victory laps on a nightly occurrence. You know, like it's just <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. You know, I am always right. You know, <laughs> y'all need to understand it. Y'all need to embrace it. Love it. Randall Quinn's going up. The jersey is on. <laughs> I'm getting a Brunson jersey next. I told you about Jalen Brunson when Schwinn wanted to be on the pod and berate me and tell me that Jalen Brunson wasn't him. And now he's in Discord singing his phrases. Every time I tell you something, just treat it as gospel. I'm right. Anyways, JL says Jalen Brown missing both free throws was so refreshing. We never get that type of clutch time luck. That is a fact. Oh, my gosh. We absolutely never get that type of clutch time luck. I mean, the direct opposite of this was Luca missing the free throw, getting his own miss, and putting it back up in what was probably the most embarrassing loss of, like, Nick's recent history of, like, the last, like, what, 10 years or so, I would say. Like, Easy. But, yeah, we never get this type of luck. So, Jalen Brown missing both free throws. When I saw it, I just had to laugh because I was like, 
this like never happens to us and like Jalen Brown of all people I, I think like within the Celtics fan base it's something that's common that he misses free throws I guess but I had yeah. no idea because I don't watch Celtics games so that to me was just hilarious um he has a very nerve-wracking free throw motion have you noticed his like his arm is like shaking on the way up it's he like, looked like, really I, nervous tonight when he was shooting yeah. them i was just like oh i guess he just the lights were way too bright TNT <laughs> lights the whole my, way too bright my little brother went to the university of alabama and mm-hmm. so they've had a nice you know 10-year college football run or 15 years under saban he sent me some stat a few weeks ago that over some time period, I don't know if it's like in the Saban area era or in the last five years, some whatever. Kickers facing Bama in the last two minutes of games are like twelve for fourteen on kicks over forty five yards, and then they're like two for ten or two for basically they hit all of them against Bama and hit none of them against other teams. And my response to that was like. That's the Knicks. Like, it just seems like when something can go wrong late in the game, it always goes wrong for the Knicks. And then you watch all these other games, and it's like, oh, they do bad stuff versus other teams all the time. Can't we just get a, a, a fragment of that luck? And tonight we got it. And I agree with JL. We should be thankful. Definitely. Not the only two free throws he missed all night. He was five for five before that. All right. So he was due. Thank God. Oh, good question from Christian Vieira here. Do y'all think the lack of ball movement with the starters has negatively impacted Grimes' shooting? It feels like he is often not involved much. They don't use him as a movement shooter. 100%. 100%. But also, he's like... Still, he, oh, I'm sorry, sorry. sorry I'm saying, but also, he needs to, like, maximize his opportunities. So. Like, he still took nine shots tonight and seven threes. Like, you, you need to be able to capitalize on those opportunities. I agree with you, by the way, but that's that's a good ratio. Like you said, you said nine shots, seven. Oh, three. it was it was on um, seven shots and six threes. Oh, okay. Well, it's a good ratio. I want him to shoot more though. He shouldn't only shoot seven times in forty minutes. Or and whatever. he absolutely passed up a couple shots. Like he could have had ten tonight. Yep, that's a good point. Um, I do think he's just struggling with the whole thing, like because he definitely still wants to do more. Like, I feel like almost Grimes doesn't see himself as just a shooter. He wants to show that he can be more. And so you he's see- like, look at all the stuff I worked on in the off season. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that's cool when he's consistently getting touches, like you see it versus bad teams. He gets his hands on the ball all the time. The other team's making mistakes. Grimes gets opportunities more frequently. So it's okay that he's passing up shots. But against a team like the Celtics, he just needs to pull when he gets an opportunity. That's his job. That's what he's got to do. And when a team like the Celtics is making mistakes less frequently, Grimes is going to go minutes between touching the ball. That's just the nature of the beast. We're going to ISO more. We're going to run it through Brunson and Randall more. And he's never really done that in his entire life. So whether it's affecting him or not, and I believe it is to Christopher's point, he's just got to get better at it because it's basketball. Not everybody can be a high usage player. NBA basketball, there's a pecking order. Guy like Shane Battier spent three years on the heat only touching the ball when LeBron said, okay, it's your time to shoot the ball. And Battier shot 40% from three all the time. You know, like, I'm not saying that's all Grimes can be, but on this team, that's what they need him to be. And he needs to 
he needs to get better at it. And I think Shane he will. Battier. Man, he was <laughs> so annoying. Oh yeah, my gosh. His shooting motion, he was always falling down. I remember those this play. One of Amari Stoudemire's best moments as a Nick. <laughs> Battier flops. Stoudemire goes down to, you know, reach out with his hand mm-hmm. to like pull him up. Battier reaches for it and then Stoudemire just immediately pulls it away and walks away. Like, <laughs> Get the hell out of here, man. <laughs> he was so annoying, Battier. Ugh, those those Heat Knicks matchups, hated them. Yeah. LeBron were... running to like a Tyson Chandler screen and flopping. Classic. That's yeah, that's like... the moment my LeBron hate was like peak. Ign- it was it was peak at that moment. It was just like, all right, enough of the BS, man. I gotta be honest, I still am convinced, and it's probably the most irrational I am as a fan. And I know it was probably the best LeBron ever was at basketball, maybe 2018, but that 2012-2013 season with Melo surrounded by shooters and Tyson Chandler, we went 3-1 and one against the Heat in the regular season that year. They if the Knicks don't just tank game one against the Pacers and take care of business, I think we would have given the Heat a hard time in the Eastern Conference Finals. I, 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 I die on that hill. I, I die on that it. hill. I don't. I, I. They would win that game, but I don't want to talk about it. I, I die on that hill all the time. <laughs> man. They have the. They have the shooting to match the heat, and they have the size. And game six, man. Game six. Copeland, Shump, they showed out. Dude, they was ready. They was I ready. Was, I was 13 years old, and I had a Facebook account dedicated to Chris Copeland, and I was literally at like 10k. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. No, no, no. 13 years old in 2013. Fuck, man. Why do you always remind me how old I am? God damn, man. That's just so mean. That's but so. Yeah, I oh, man. I remember those days all too well. Oh my gosh. Um, Ace Bouchard says Thibs is to Leon what Randall is to Tyrese. Go to that's that is a good that is a good analogy. A great, great analogy. Um, <laughs> um, let's see what else we got here. We are probably going to end with these last couple of questions. Well, not questions, but comments. Dude, shout out to everyone. I'm just looking at it for the first time because Sam usually runs it. All these comments are amazing. Yeah, I'm trying to like fix up to like actually like um also for, fuck Roy Hibbert forever and ever. <laughs> he not he not allowed anywhere near Dykeman. Man, they fought all the way back in that game just for Melo to get. Uh, God, why did I bring up that game? That's uh, I, I don't. You must be a masochist. All right, here we go. Ace Bouchard also said, "Dibs' defensive scheme can't work if the five man can't impact rim protection and drop." I can't remember the last time I saw Sims or Hart do anything at the rim and drop. Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, Hart did had a block today. That was pretty good. Um, I think when I think when Brogdon or Derek White had came into the paint. Oh yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, he had gotten that one block. I think that's that's like literally the only thing I can remember of him doing in drop. Um, anything else? Like Sims had a good block against um Robert Williams, but like that was off of a putback attempt. But yeah, they both really haven't been that good in drop. Um, maybe it's because we're seeing them in more more time. Like we're so used to seeing them in like these limited stints that we're not used to seeing like the full reach of what they're able to do in drop. Um, now that they're getting a more extended run, we're seeing that they're not that capable in drop. 
so far. So, you know, the scheme has to switch. Um, and I think someone like Sims is capable of switching. We've seen it before, so. For sure. I, I thought uh, Benji made a really good point, though. And I agree with what Tyrese was saying about the offense down the stretch. Like, it was a little bit more simplistic. But when the Celtics are in their bag in the middle of the game and they're running those really complicated sets, Benji pointed it out, it's a lot to ask of Sims to make, like, multiple off-ball switches and stuff and have that have that chemistry with guys he just hasn't shared the court with that much and he doesn't do it that much. That's a lot to ask a guy who previously he's basically been playing drop, you know, 90% of the time. Um, Sam, what you just said, in my opinion, is exactly right. I think the biggest edge Sims has over Obi right now is his ability to switch one through five and hold his own. And if, and versus teams running more simplistic sets like the Knicks do, where it's just pure pick and roll and you can switch and you're not going to get burned too much by like off ball movement. It's not like the Warriors, the Knicks absolutely need to institute some switching and use Sims that way. I'm just not sure the Celtics were the matchup for it, you know? Yeah. I want to say, um, <laughs> we talk about them all the time. So like, whatever. I really was encouraged by how into the final minutes quickly was on the bench. Yeah. As someone who just wants quickly to be a Nick his whole career, it worried me how often, like his first two seasons when he wasn't closing games, he was just so excited to be a Nick, especially like, you know, his rookie season. You mm-hmm. always saw him standing up with like Theo Pinson. He was always first one off the bench. He was always just so into it. And early this season, whenever they cut to the bench to get that excited reaction, he was always like seating. It's not that he wasn't excited for his team, but he was definitely less into it than he used to be. And this was like the first time in a while that I saw him like super amped and into it. And it just made me feel like, okay, this is a guy who feels embraced by his team and feels confident in his role for this team. And that was encouraging for me to see as a Knicks fan and someone who thinks who is, you know, a quickly fan per se. Definitely. Um, last comment, Ricky Ricardo. This win just shows you how far along the Knicks have come when you compare their first game against the Celtics earlier this year. Defense was great, late offense was bad, but overall incredible win. Yep. I think that pretty much encapsulates our feelings. Um, that first game against the Celtics, whew, that was a rough one. 27 threes. Um, it was not pretty. And they, but, they still kind of want to do. Oh my god, I hate like that. That for the first like 15 games of the season just pissed me off, man. Man, could they have won it? Didn't they get killed? No. Yeah, but like they were still pretty close toward the end. <laughs> I feel I like at that. one point, thank you. Muted my mic. Uh, I feel like at some point they like cut it to like five or something. It would have been like five or three, and like then the Celtics hit a three, and you know the rest, but. Um, all right. Shout out to everyone that pulled up. At one point, we had like 25 viewers at once. So, you know, shout out to everyone that pulled up. Shout out to all the comments. Had a whole bunch of them. I tried to get to as many as I could. They were just flowing in. Um, and, you know, they really helped to guide our conversation as well. Um, so shout out to all of y'all. 
Uh, make sure y'all leave a like, subscribe. We're on our way to 1K subs. Um, check out everything Stricken related in the description. We got links to the site, merch, Patreon, and um, Twitter. All great ways to support us. We are also on Instagram at the strict.land to get your Nick's fix, Nick Strickland fix on Instagram. Um, and yeah, we'll be back after the game on Saturday. Hopefully, the Knicks can finally beat the Nets in the Tom Thibodeau era. There have been a lot of streaks that we've been breaking this year. We broke the Denver streak, we broke the Toronto streak. Let's finally beat the Nets and Ben Simmons. Let's let's take care of two birds, one stone. Um, so you know, we'll catch y'all after that game on Saturday. I think that that is also a nationally televised game. Um, Nick's been on national TV a lot this week for Rivals Week, so you know. Man, Lamelo was two for fifteen tonight, and yeah, the he was absolutely team. awful. Oh yep, Bulls think. Let's go. <laughs> yep. Um, I think he just came back from injury, so I'll I'll cut him some slack for tonight. Yeah. Um, but yeah. We'll be back after the Nets game. Shout out to everyone that tuned in. Everyone have a great night. The night's basically almost over, but um, yeah, we'll catch y'all on Saturday. Peace. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.